Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 6. We are going to look at this Old Testament prayer. It's been called uh, the Lord's Prayer in the Old Testament by some because you have an example of God teaching his people, his priests in particular, how to pray. And so um, as we walk through the story of the Bible, uh, we are starting the book of Numbers, and Numbers takes us from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. They didn't believe, so back into the wilderness, (laughs) and then back to the Promised Land again which sounds an awful lot like the story of our life. Of We think we've arrived, and then we wander for a while, and we're waiting. We're, we're on this journey to the promised land, waiting for the new heavens and new earth and Jesus to return. And so let's read our text this morning. And uh, before I read, it's good to say out loud, uh, thank you to our AV team for suffering through this morning. <laughs> as, uh, as they're getting their steps in, and it's it's great to be ignored when you're on the AV team because nobody, because everything works. But so thanks, thank you for working through this this morning. All right, this is the word of our God in number six. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious to you." The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of our God. It is true and trustworthy. He has spoken to us today in love. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we have heard your desire to bless us this morning, uh, to be your family, that you may be gracious, to give us peace, that we can have your smiling face. And so as we hear your desire, I pray we would, um, well, that your, your benediction would overcome our doubts, our fears, our unbeliefs, uh, cover our guilt, cover our shame, uh, that we might live faithfully under your blessing. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I've been preached with a a non-hands-free device in a long time, so bear with me if it just goes flying somewhere. (laughs) Um, You know, normally, if you've ever been in any business meeting, you know how business meetings end, right? There's there's the the collective exhale, we finally reached the end, do we have a motion to adjourn? And then there's the mad rush for everyone to say, so moved. (laughs) All in favor say aye, and, and everybody says aye, and then we go home. You know, in a, in a worship service, a worship service always ends differently than that, doesn't it? It ends with God speaking to us, a benediction. And it's especially if you're part of our Presbyterian tradition, this little corner of the Christian world, we're not the only ones who do this. But uh, we end every worship service deliberately modeling what we just read. Uh, we, we give a benediction. We, we are sent back out into the world with God's words ringing in our ears, because what he says matters than more <laughs> than what we say. And so what I want to do this morning, as we meditate on this, is um, just not only get oriented to the book of Numbers, but also just 
better understand what in the world a benediction is and what is happening when we do this at the end of the service and how the benediction is designed by God to intersect, invade, and control the way we live. Uh, we live all of our lives in Christ under God's blessing, and it's a different way of looking at, at the world. It's designed, uh, I heard it put this, it's designed for your whole life to flash before your eyes to say this changes everything. And so let's start with this question. We're, we're going to begin with some uh, teaching here to get oriented to the book of Numbers, but what in the world is a benediction? And to, to answer that, we've got to get to the context of what we just read. And so if you turn back to Numbers 1, verse 1, where we've been, right? We've come out of Leviticus, and there was great rejoicing <laughs> for some. Um, but it says that the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. And there's no small word, that preposition in, because if you remember the context of Leviticus, when we, before we started, the, the book of Leviticus ban began with Moses outside of the tent of meeting because the glory of God's presence came down and Moses, representing the people, could not go in. And so what we're being shown right away in the book of Numbers is that Leviticus worked. Right? God graciously gave all these commands, these laws, the priests, the sacrifices, all of that so that God may dwell with his people. And the numbers begins with that subtle change. God is, <laughs> the people's representative is now in God's presence by grace and grace alone. Right? Leviticus works. And now that God may safely and graciously dwell with his people, now they can make this journey from Mount Sinai and go together through the wilderness into the promised land, right? And so that's what the beginning of Numbers is about. The first 10 chapters uh, is, is just getting ready to leave, right? If you've ever gone, gone on a family camping trip, it, take, it takes a lot of work, right? And now they're trying to do a camping trip through the wilderness with God uh, with like a million people, right? So that it, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land and fight. So chapters 1 to 4, Numbers begins uh, with, with the census. Let's take Let's keep track of who, how many fighting men do we have. All right, we'll talk about the, the fighting in the promised land later. But uh, chapters 1 to 4 is how do you organize the camp with God at the center? W where do you pitch your tents? Right, so it's not just chaos. Um, there are designated duties for the priests and Levites. It's just how are we going to travel together through the wilderness uh, with God's presence? And then you get to chapter 5, uh, there's a couple, seems like a blip on the radar, you wonder why these are here. Uh, chapter 5 begins with um, how to deal with clean and unclean again, you get some more case law. There's this really strange, uh, well we would say strange, there's, there's a jealous husband. What do you do with a jealous husband who suspects his wife of adultery? And how do you protect her so that she's not just discarded willy-nilly? Right, just because the husband is either overreacting or maybe does he have just cause. And so there's a whole uh, ordeal or test, and basically the priests are called in, and the priests are, it's a, it's a gift that the priests may mediate to protect the wife from an unjust adultery accusation. So that's a whole other sermon. Feel free to ask questions later. Um, so you have a story of unfaithfulness, potentially, and then you all, 
And then you have the Nazarite vows, how anybody, male or female, may demonstrate ex uh, an intense and exclusive commitment to the Lord by uh, taking a Nazarite vow. Right? You're, you're super committed. You don't cut your hair. You don't drink of anything of the vine, so no, no alcohol, nothing grape-related, and you avoid the dead. So you're, you're working really, really hard um, to be set apart. And then you get to the benediction. Right? So we just did a, a flyby here at the beginning of Numbers. So whose idea is the benediction? Right? Notice the Lord comes to the priests it comes and says to the priest, this is what you shall say, this is how you shall pray for the people. Right, it's pretty astounding. Three times, actually, in the, in the prayer, it says the Lord. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Um, there are, apart from those three words, there are 12 other words, uh, probably ref referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a, this is a really poetic prayer as well as a beautiful pastoral prayer. But basically what would happen is the, the priests would proclaim these words of grace given, them to, given to them by God at the end of a tabernacle service. Right? So all the sacrifices would be done. They would stand in the door of the tent and they would proclaim the Lord's blessing over the people as they go back into the world to, to live their lives under God's blessing. So you can see the parallels, can't you, to what we do on a Sunday morning. We see Jesus crucified, we hear God's blessing at the end of the service, and we're sent back into the world to live our lives under God's gracious blessing. And so, it's really cool. What we do on a Sunday morning is an ancient tradition that goes back before Jesus all the way to Moses and Aaron. Uh, the Lord praying for his people and, and, and sending them out into the world. Right? And so, it, it's most... Simplest, simplest form, what is a benediction? It's a blessing that, that God proclaims over us. Right? May the Lord bless and keep you. But what in the world is a blessing? <laughs> right? If you've been around any kind of spiritual community or been on social media, the, the word blessing or the, just to be blessed has been uh, overused or trivialized or can mean all kinds of things. Right? I mean, I did a quick Google search of hashtag blessed to see what people believe this word means. Um, it could be anything from just qu quoting scripture to my life is amazing, hashtag blessed, to professional athletes showing off their accomplishments, hashtag blessed. Some people just showing off how great their bodies look, right? Hashtag blessed. <laughs> um, my spouse still likes me. Happy anniversary, hashtag blessed. And, and my favorite still, I, I found a comedian mocking the way we overuse this. He says, you know, I caught a bacon, piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> the Lord guards our bacon. That's good news. It, so I share that because how in the world is, what does it mean for the Lord to bless you? And the only way to understand that is in the context and all these phrases that the Lord uses. So we're going to use all the words to describe what the blessing is, but if you go all the way back to Genesis 1, the first time we hear God's blessing, right? what, what ideas do you get? Humans are blessed, they're made in the image of God, and God says, hey, I provided for you. 
here's everything you may eat. And so, step one, what is a blessing? It's, it's, you're seeing God provide for you. Give us this day our daily bread. All right? Be fruitful and multiply. If you have, if there is new life, babies are a blessing, right? Anything that, that happens so that you may be fruitful and multiply, that's part of God's blessing you. Um, you get a little bit further down, humans are sent to have dominion, to rule, and to reign over all of creation. Um, so you could point to our own talents and our wisdom and our skill, right? That is an evidence of God blessing you. So at, at the heart of what it means to be ble- blessed, at least in Genesis 1 so far, is God provide. Right? God provides for us. And at the end of Genesis 1, what's really interesting is after God blesses the humans, he, at the end of the sixth day, he proclaims a benediction. It's the first benediction in the, in the Bible. What's he say? He saw and behold, it was very good. Right? You have the living God looking at the humans he's provided for, as well as the good world that, that he made, and it's a deep, satisfied sigh of delight. <laughs> so part of blessing is not only God providing, I would argue a benediction is also God declaring his delight over his people. Right? So you combine Numbers and Genesis, to be blessed is to have God's face-to-face delight and his provision because of his delight, right? And so when the Lord bless, may the Lord bless and keep you, may he, may you hear him say, I'm glad you are here, right? It's this face-to-face good thing that you, God is drawing near to his people. It's an astounding thing. It's a relational thing. Right? May he rejoice over you. May he delight in you being near and him being near to you. Which is com- following Leviticus, that's a, an amazing thing to do. Because I believe up to this point in Numbers, Israel has failed to keep up their end of the bargain seven times. There's going to be three more failures that we're going to talk about in Numbers that will keep them out of the promised land. But after Leviticus, there's dead animals. There's clean and unclean. Everything is screaming that, that people do not deserve God's presence. There's clean and unclean language. You're filthy. You need to be cleansed. At, at the end of all that, at the end of a service, what are God's people told? May the Lord bless you. May he find delight in you. Isn't that amazing? Right. To be blessed is to have this, this is the goal of the benediction, to have this face-to-face, have his face shine upon you type relationship. Right. So God's delight. So keep those in your head. Provision, delight. Uh, but it also comes with God physically giving things to his people. Right. So and if you're reading Genesis, as we've been in my emails there's several places where fathers at the end of their lives want to bless their sons and give their sons a blessing uh, in, in their absence. And so they not only just enjoy their sons, ideally, uh, but they want their children to have an abundant life. And so the fathers lay, lay their hands on their sons and give them a blessing, which is an inheritance, which is basically saying, 
I want to you to live well, and I'm going to provide for you so that you may live well. And in the process, ask God to do that. It's a prayer. And so, Pastor Tim Keller sums this up well when he says this. For God to say, I bless you, is not only to say, I delight in you and wish you well, but it's also to say that I am committed with all my power to achieve your good. I don't just wish that you have a good life. I'm going to achieve that good for you, and I am going to be expensively present with you your entire life. That is to say, I am willing to pay this price, whatever it takes, for your good. It's an amazing statement. May the Lord bless you. May he continue to pay the price to dwell with you. And, and because this is God's idea, this is him saying, I am willing. I am willing. Right? Israel has a God who is willing to foot the bill in order to bless his unfaithful people. That's good news. Right? So blessing, it has to do with provision, it has to do with God's delight, it has to do with God being willing to pay the price to make this happen. Right? Keep going here, bless and keep you. Uh, the word to keep is also a word to mean protect. Right? We live in a dangerous world. What God is saying, part of his blessing is his protection. That he might be an armed guard for his people all the way down to the individuals through a world that is full of danger, toils, and snares. All right. it, Israel is about to leave the safety of Mount Sinai and go out into the desert. There's going to be surrounding nations. They're going to go into the promised land. They're being called to trust God when life goes not well. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he protect you. Right. I had a vivid experience of what, what this would be like. I, got to preach the gospel in northern Uganda back in my 20s. And we got sent up into a region in northern Uganda, close to southern Sudan. It was mostly Muslim and, and traditional uh, religions there, African religions. And four years before we got there, uh, some American missionaries had been assassinated. Right, and so didn't know what to expect. The, our guides took us to the local police station and, and we got an armed guard while we were at the local high school. So there were police officers keeping us, standing guard, walking around the school as we got to talk about Jesus with these teenagers. Right? May the Lord keep you. May he keep you safe. May he protect and guard you. Right? So right at the beginning, th the benediction, you're getting to hear God's heart for his people. Just in three words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The second line has, has five Hebrew words. It says, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's another astounding statement that he makes. Because who else do you know in the Old Testament that we've read so far that had a shining face? It was Moses in Exodus. Moses was on top of Mount Sinai, and he said, Lord, I want to see your glory. Show me your face. I want to see more of you. And God says, no, I'm only going to show you my back. But when Moses got a glimpse of just a tiny piece of God's glory, his face came down the mountain, and it was shining. It was radiant to the point where he had to cover his face. And so 
at minimum, what this is saying is, may you know the Lord personally, face to face. May he make his face shine upon you. May, may the light of the sun, day one sun, blind you with his presence, and you be able to handle it. Right? And Moses, I, I wonder what he was thinking when he heard this prayer that came from God. Right? You know what God said to Moses? When he asked, may I see your face? God said, no one may see my face and live. And yet here is the gospel promised in the benediction that God's desire, God's prayer for his people is that they would know him face to face, that his face would shine upon them. That may his shining face come down to them. Even though no one may see his face and live, right? That whole thing has to be worked out. It's a promise. This is what God wants to do. I mean, nobody is able to see God's face. That's the story so far. Leviticus 9, the very first time they have a worship service, and right, you're reading Leviticus, you got all the sacrifices, it's kind of like a trial run, and all of them happen in front of the people. And so the priests are killing animals, they're laying the sacrifices on the altar, and it says, all right, the priests finished all their sacrifices, and they get ready to bless the people. Aaron is lifting his hands towards the people and blessing them, and he stands in the tent of meeting, You can imagine him getting ready to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face shine upon you. And then it says, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out, consumed the offerings, and everybody fell flat on their faces. Whatever glimpse of glory came down, they couldn't even look at him. They rejoiced, but they were terrified. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Which moves, moves us to the second part, which, if, he's, if that's going to happen, he has to be gracious. Um, may he be gracious to you, because we are so bad we can't even see God's face. Right? God's getting closer. If he's going to draw near, he has to be gracious. Uh, he's, he has to treat us better than we deserve. Or a better way to put it, I think, is God is praying for himself to not treat us as our sins deserve. That he might have pity on us, show mercy. Uh, That when he sees, this is in the Old Testament, that when God sees his people ruled over by desires that are completely ruining their lives and the lives of the community and offending him and in his holiness, may the Lord be gracious. May he look at you with pity and compassion and not treat you as your sins deserve. May he be gracious to you. Right? And this is God's plan. Right? This is his prayer for his people. And then it continues. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, to lift up your face. Right? Sometimes one of the privileges I have of preaching is I get to see everybody's faces. I don't know how you're going to think about it, but In some weeks, I can tell what kind of week you've had. You just come down and your face is fallen, or or my face is fallen. If I have a bad week, I have to fake it and hide it, (laughs) right? But to lift up your countenance, right, it's it's turning your your frown upside down, if you will. It's literally lifting up your face. And so what it's suggesting is may the Lord turn towards you with a smile, right? A gracious smile. I'm glad you're here. 
And may he give you peace, your shalom. May he calm the troubled sea that is your heart, your mind, your life. Um, peace in, the, in Hebrew is the word shalom. And shalom is um, not just absence of conflict. It is. It's, it's peace with God. It's peace with your neighbors. Uh, peace with creation. Peace with yourself. I mean, you're supposed to, to think uh, of the Garden of Eden where you're naked and unashamed and God himself is dwelling with you. That all is well. It's a state of affairs where you're just in this joyful wonder that life is as it should be and God is welcoming the creatures that he enjoys in his house. Right? That's all wrapped up in the blessing. To be blessed is to have God's smile, God's provision, God's protection, God's grace, God's peace, and lastly to have his name to have him identify with you and put his name on his people so that, um, well, just like my kids share my name, that means they have my attention. God's putting his name on Israel. He's staking his reputation on Israel's response to his blessing. It's astounding. This is a good word from our God. May he bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance, smile on you and give you peace. You cannot leave this benediction without seeing a God who is wholeheartedly committed to doing good for his people. It's astounding. Israel's going to need to hear this because they're going out into the wilderness where life's going to be difficult. But that's the benediction. It's a blessing. It's God's desire to be gracious so that he might dwell face-to-face with us. And ultimately... (laughs) uh, Get rid of all conflict, that we might have peace. And so the next question is, how do you get in on that, right? We're not ancient Israel, so how do we get in on the benediction? Because if you read the story of Numbers, you're going to find out very quickly, as we're going to look at next week in chapter 11, Israel heard God's words, they saw God's grace in the sacrifices, and they immediately went out into the world and said, God, you hate me. Life is better without you. It was better in Egypt as slaves. They don't live and act as a people who are blessed. It doesn't control their anxiety. It doesn't calm their fears. It doesn't push away their unbelief. In fact, I mean, that's, that's the ugly story of Israel. They saw all these miracles, and they didn't believe. What about us as Christians? We hear the gospel every week. Do we look like the kind of people God has blessed like this? We live in what uh, has been called the age of anxiety. We have more comfort than anyone else in all the world, the history of the world as Westerners. And we're terrified. I heard a study this week about teenagers. And in about 30% of these teenagers in this study... Every day they, they said fear of their, about their future controls their everyday life. Some of it because of climate change, some of it just because of the world not going well right now. And that was before COVID, before the last couple of years. Right. And so you're getting a portrait in the Old Testament. God desires to bless a people who immediately go out into the world 
and forget his benediction. Right. You remember Jacob? We can relate to Jacob. Uh, at birth, Jacob, you're going to be blessed. I swear I will not leave you alone. You are my chosen one. I'm going to love you. You have my blessing. But the rest of Jacob's life, you know, how did he live? As if he had to, to scheme and steal and manufacture and twist everyone's arm to get them to bless him. Right? He had to twist his father's arm and deceive his dad just to get his dad to say, I'm glad you're my son, which is an awful thing to have in a family. Um, he, spends a, he has to deceive, <laughs> right? He has to scheme and work to get a wife. And then in his family, he's trying to get his wives. To, that's a, just a whole mess of him trying to manufacture blessing by his own work, his own efforts. And his life falls apart. Right? And so then the question becomes to us, what about you? Where are you trying to manufacture blessing on your own? Where you jump onto a performance treadmill and and say, I just need somebody to say I'm okay, somebody to shine their face upon me, some, something to, to bless me that I might feel safe. Right? There's probably a reason that, that it says, may the Lord three times in this benediction, because God's people are prone to, to look to anything but the Lord to get that blessing. Right? may not use these exact words, but we might say something like this, may my career bless me and keep me safe. May my bank account never fail me and give me peace. May my spouse or my children uh, shine their face upon me. Right? May they enjoy me. And then the moment those things let us down, there is no peace. T.S. Eliot, after World War I, wrote these words, the poet, half the harm that is done in this world is due to people who want to feel important. They don't mean to do harm but the harm does not interest them. Or they do not see it, or they justify it. Because they are absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. And so, just asking that question, do you see the ways you have been craving, longing, organizing your whole life to get a blessing that God has already promised to give you? Right. Pastor David Zoll says, you know, this is, this is what we do. We want to feel good about ourselves, so we edit our personalities to get other people to shine their face upon us, that we might get their approval. Uh, we exaggerate hardships to make ourselves feel more heroic. Right? It's the, I, I caught a bigger fish than you story. We exaggerate our trouble to make others seem more villainous. Wherever you are the most tired or easily irritated, Look closely, and you will probably, you will find your hunt for a benediction. All right. So, how do you get the benediction to where it invades and gives you peace? Right? Well, how does Paul, in the New Testament, describe the Christian life? Here's, here's something that has changed for the Christian. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He says... The God who set, said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Right. Where? In the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what he said? 
May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Where do you get that shining face? It's right there in the face of Jesus Christ, the Lord, Yahweh, who promised that blessing to Israel. And you've got to remember, right, nobody can see God's face and live, so how do we get that shining face? Well, how do we get that smile, the grace and protection and provision? It's, it's all through the death of the one who desired to bless you. Right? Israel would hear the benediction and they would watch. This was after watching the blood flow through these dead animals. May the Lord be gracious to you. But we, we have the fulfillment of that. Jesus' sacrifice, which is once for all, never to be repeated again. As we get to watch him bear the curse we deserve for pursuing blessing in every other thing in all of creation right, so that God may bless us in Christ. Right? What did Jesus get? He got the curse. He got the, the malediction, the bad word, if you will. God turning his face away on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. You know, right before Jacob deceived his father to be blessed, he was hesitating. Because you got to know, right? If you're going to lie to your blind father to get a one-time blessing, it's, the sec it's not going to be a secret for long. And so he's talking to his mom. He said, I'm not sure if I should do this. My father's going to find out, and he's going to curse me. He's going to undo everything that, that he just said. And so what Rebecca says, uh, son, do this. May your curse fall on me. And so one of the commentators goes on to say, in one of the most awesome reversals of all, Jesus graciously says to us what Rebecca rashly said to her son, upon me be your curse. Just think about that statement. The words Rebecca said, so carelessly, never thinking they might come true, Jesus said, even though he was fully aware to the, to the full depths of what that meant when he said it. Also that you might have the shining face of the Lord. That face-to-face -face experience. And then you're sent out with a benediction. All right. So think about this. As Christians, we not only get the face of of Jesus Christ, his presence and prayer, um, you're given a name, Christian. God puts his name on you, literally, to the point where when God looks at you, he sees his son. Uh, you're, you're get, you get the smile. And one of the interesting things, when Jesus was baptized, uh, the spirit came down and he heard a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. When you're baptized, you're baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so when you get Christ's name, you get God's smile in Christ Jesus. You become a beloved child in him. His countenance is lifted when he looks at you. Right? And it doesn't depend on us. It depends on Christ. Uh, we're given the Lord's protection. I mean, you can go through all these benedictions in the New Testament. They're beautiful. But think about, listen to these. Uh, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. It's God's delight to do this, to hold on to you while you bumble and stumble through life. Um, right? I'm going to hold on to you until you see God face to face. May he get the glory. 
praise and honor forever. Right. See, when you become a Christian, you're not given a God who says, all right, I forgive you, you're on your own. You get a God who says, we're going to live face-to-face, spiritually, until us becomes face-to-face, physically. And, and remember Keller's words, this is the God who's willing to pay the price to bless us, and he has done that. And in Christ, God is expensively present with you all the days of your life. Because you're in Christ. And that one-time sacrifice continually intercedes for you. That doesn't go away because Jesus is alive. He's the priest who forever lives to intercede for his people. Some other benedictions. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. May the Lord give you peace. Second uh, Corinthians 13, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the Lord be gracious to you. Right? See, the, the New Testament, in all kinds of different ways, is showing us over and over again that the benediction given to Israel is now ours in Christ Jesus. And we have so much more security than they did because we have the fulfillment of what they were looking at every week. And so I, we can pray this prayer. May the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he smile upon you and give you peace. That's a fully Trinitarian, now that we know who Jesus is, benediction. The question is, will you believe it? He's promised to provide, to protect, and to walk with you. This is the last point here, and we'll... This will conclude. New life under God's blessing changes everything. But just think about this. Uh, When we leave this place, we're going to hear a benediction at the end of the service, having seen Christ crucified for us, having been raised from the dead, now sitting at God's right hand where his benediction permanently dwells on us because your life is hidden with Christ on high. Right? That is true no matter what chaos is happening in your life. That is true no matter what particular sinful habit you're trying to put to death right now. You are sent out with God's gracious words ringing in your ears. Will you believe that? It's true because Christ is alive. And the idea is that the benediction is summarizing everything you've heard before and saying, go out into the world now, knowing, seeing, and hearing that the Lord has blessed you. Right. So what, no matter what's happening, you are blessed. Right. You can say, my body is failing, hashtag blessed, because Christ is alive. Uh, you can say, I'm in the middle of a relational conflict, and it's crushing me but my Father in heaven is still with me. I have his shining face. Which doesn't take away the pain, but it lessens the ultimacy of the moment. (laughs) Where you feel like, if I don't have this person's smiling face, I cannot go on. No, you have a smiling face that matters more than anything else in the world. Your creator. You can go through hard times, uh, like Habakkuk would say, right? There may be no grapes on the vine, no figs on the tree. We may have absolutely nothing, but still I can, I can say, blessed be the, be the name of the Lord. 
who, who gives me feet to walk on high places like deer. He's going to be with me when life is hard. Right. And then lastly, the more you believe this, the more you realize when you're armed with the benediction, you're sent out into the world to be a blessing. That, that was our call to worship this morning. Did you hear the, the echoes of numbers in Psalm 67? You can look at it. The prayer of God's people, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Right? The more the gospel works in your life, what's it designed to do? To look outside at a world that is craving blessing and say, Lord, bless me that I might bless them. Right? Why, how? That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. It's for their joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And so the idea is, you hear God's benediction, God's good words to you that we don't deserve, we can go out into the world and speak good and kind words to others who do not deserve it. Right. That we can go out ready to serve whiny, grumbling, ungrateful people. Because that's what God did for us in the cross. So that... Jesus and his benediction might be known that they too might have God's shining face. And you can do that because you've been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've been given his name. Right, this is Tim Keller again. He says, you know what? The benediction in many ways is just reconfirming to you what God has already said in, his baptiz in your baptism. Because when you're baptized, you're brought into the bottomless depths of the that the Father has for the Son that the Spirit now makes known to you. You are my beloved child in whom I love, and I will not leave you alone. And so, will you leave here today resting in the benediction of Jesus, which is a gift through faith? Or will you anxiously overwork yourself like Jacob and try and manufacture it on your own. Receive the gift. Let's pray. Oh, Father, there is more here than we can say, but I know as we all come here having tried to manufacture our own blessing, and so I pray that Christ would invade our eyes, uh, would unstop our ears, and would soften our hearts that we would know that you have blessed us, you've promised to keep us, and we have your shining face. So may that, in turn, send us back to you, praying, enjoying, praising, saying thank you. And that as we go out into the world, we'll be a thankful people, a benediction people, a people who, well, everyone can see our good works and give you praise, as Jesus taught us, uh, that, that they might praise our Father in heaven for sending us to them in that moment. So equip us by your spirit for that mission, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.